Welcome back to the Beerly Hockey Podcast. Fuckheads, it's your boy Phil Razor, and once again, I'm joined by the usuals with a twist, kind of like a Don Draper cocktail. Aaron Kenny with me tonight, Nate McBride with me tonight, and we have a special guest. We will start with you, Nate. Nate, so you're the beer. How are you doing? And what the fuck are you drinking? Buddy, if life were any better right now, I'd have to say that I'm dead and I was in heaven because fuck is I'm in heaven. It's just a beautiful week. It's a beautiful time for hockey. And this week, I think you guys are really going to like this beer that I'm sipping on. I'm going with from Wolf Ridge Brewing right here in Columbus, Ohio. Bone Chugs. Oh, baby. Let's go. Crossroad Pilsner. Hmm. It's just chugging them bones over yeah. there, bro. Look at them. Bone chugs in harmony, baby. <laughs> We're also coming to you live from Newark, Ohio. Aaron Kitty. Aaron, how are we doing and what are we drinking? Dude, I am doing spectacular. Patriots up 7-3 over the Bills right now. Let's hope they don't piss it away. And I am Remi- cracking remi- nice Reminder that we are, we are better than beerly football. Sure are. Just a weekly reminder, yeah. Yeah. It's our I would say annual, but annual is weekly, so it's a weekly reminder. Um, guys, I'm I'm boring tonight. I'm down here in beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina. Just had a great dinner. And I'm just having Bud Light. Here we go. Back to the basics here. Nothing nothing it. crazy. But guys, we are ISS. Keep it simple, stupid. I love it. Hey man, great sales tactic for the two sales guys on this call. Um, we are also joined tonight with our first ever Beerly Hockey guest. Stick taps for the guest, boys. It is my honor to introduce one of my, I would consider lifelong friends at this point. I think freshman year of college considers lifelong when you're 31 years old. Um, lifelong hockey player as well. The pride of Bowling Green, Ohio, current resident of Omaha, Nebraska. Just bought a house, just got engaged. A lot of great things going for this guy. Jacob Fisher. Fish, how are we doing, and what the fuck are we drinking? Doing great, guys. I'm drinking a nice cold Coors Light today. The mountains are blue, so, you know, Always. beautiful day. What's, uh, what's the weather like out in Omaha this time of year? Is it frigid like here? About the same? Worse? Better? Cold and blustery. Yeah. Uh, it's way windier than Ohio even. So Oh yeah. You guys don't have those uh those appellations on your east side blocking them off, do you? <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like straight across Wyoming and then pretty much doesn't stop until you hit about Nebraska. But ironically, it's way hillier than I think some would expect. Hell yeah. And There's... I've driven I've actually driven through Oklahoma and I can confirm that it is way hillier than I ever expected it to be. Oklahoma, we're talking about Nebraska, you goon. Uh, dude, I thought I was crazy oh, yeah. when he said Oklahoma. Like, <laughs> Omaha, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Just makes sense, right? Tomato, tomato. What's the difference? Uh, same place. Yeah, you know, H2O lean, same thing. Nate's pro- geography we are topographical nightmares, guys, but what we're not nightmares at is talking about hockey. Let's hop the fuck into it. We're going to start off with an absolute fucking gong show, boys. Highest scoring game of the year. If you took the under, maybe consider like finding the nearest cliff and just eating yourself off of it. The Kraken beat the Kings nine to eight in overtime. They've won all three matchups this season against the Los Angeles Kings, a team that we pretty much all had making playoffs. 
And they play one more time. And of course, it's in April when the playoffs are on the line. Um, guys, the Kraken, Nate, you were right. We'll continue to eat crow on this podcast. We're happy to do it. They're sitting second and third in the division, the two teams. And uh, it would be a very fun first-round series matchup if these two teams were to meet. Aaron, would you agree? Actually, you know what? Not Aaron. Fuck you, Aaron. Nate, would you agree whoa, with that? Whoa, 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 whoa. Damn. Spicy. Love suck, a di- suck a dick, bro. No, we, we got to go to Nate if it's Kraken. Sorry, boys. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm wearing them. Uh, and I won't stop wearing their jersey during recordings until they're out of playoff position because, dude, I'm loving this team. I would love to see them and the Kings in the first round. I think that would be an automatic gong show of a series that's going to have physicality. There's going to be a lot of emotion going through there, especially if Seattle wins. If Seattle wins the fourth regular season matchup, that is, there's going to be so much. There'd be so much emotion going into that matchup. Um, this I, I the and it's like we've said all year. Um, Aaron put it right here on our notes. The Pacific is the overs division. Don't ever take an under when you're betting on Pacific teams, especially if it's a Pacific v Pacific matchup. Fuck. I love it. I love it. Aaron, do you have any thoughts on this game or the series in general? Dude, it's I didn't really see this as a budding rivalry until this season, but I mean, this game was just pull your hair out, fucking terrible defense and unreal power play. The execution from the Kings on the power play just blew my mind. Like every chance they got, they were going in. Martin Jones, he was getting a save percentage back up. It takes a hit. Jonathan Quick gets pulled. Cal Peterson got fucking pumped down to the AHL. I don't know if you guys saw that. After this game, he got put on waivers and demoted. Dude, yeah, he got he got butt fucked out of the league by yeah by this performance. One of the goals, it was like a clean look, hits him, bounces up over him. He has no clue where it's at. Lands behind him and he slides back and kicks it into the net. I mean, it was just not this man's night. But at the both teams were just back and forth, dude. It, I don't think there was ever more than like a two-goal lead in this game. And it, of course, ends up going to overtime. Seattle ends it. Just a, a great, great showing from two teams that last year were not scoring machines. So it's nice no. to see them turn the heat up a little bit. Um, LA, expand LA on your playoffs last year, you know. It, what's that? Oh, sorry. I was just saying LA snuck into playoffs last year. Yeah, yeah, just barely. Um, going back to the overs division too, though. Uh, I have a couple numbers here. If we're just looking at division versus division on goals per game so far, Pacific teams are averaging 3.24 goals for per game. They're averaging 3.42 goals against per game. They're giving up over three, scoring over three. They're combining for 6.66 total goals per game. The devil's number. They're above the Atlantic, who's totaling 6.43 goals per game. The Central has 6.03, and the Metro is playing lockdown defense, apparently. Now is what we're calling 5.66 goals per game. Scoring across the entire league is up right now, boys, and it is a great time to be alive. You said uh, 6.66. In the famous words of 3-6 Mafia, slob on my knob. Like corn on the cob. Check Mm. in with me. And do your job. Lay on the bed. All right, right, that's enough of that. (laughs) Guys, uh, one of the big things, you know, you were reading off all of the all the numbers here for 
the Pacific Division. And what I find interesting, Aaron, uh, to your point, because numbers are great, debate is great. We like to combine the two here at Beerly Hockey. Follow us on Twitter if you like that kind of content, at Beerly Hockey. Um, one of the things I really like about it, too, is we get such an Eastern bias, right? Like, I think everybody agrees. There's a huge Eastern bias in terms of all sports. Um, we talk about it in college football a lot, where the Pac-12 doesn't get any love. Uh, we talk about it in other sports as well. And I think in hockey, it definitely gets a media bias. And I think when it comes to the NHL, it's good that the Pacific Division is the one that scores the most. I think that is, it's a positive thing for out there because it encourages American viewers uh, on the East Coast because Canadian viewers will watch it no matter what. But American viewers east of the Mississippi will stay up late if they know they might get a 6-5 to five Edmonton-Calgary matchup on TNT. Would you guys agree with that sentiment? Oh, absolutely. I think so. Like, who's uh, – let's be honest. I mean, what do what do us as fans, as viewers, as, you know, just lovers of the game, what do we tune in for? We want to see action. We want to see goals. Like, I really – if I turn in – if I turn on a game and it ends up being one nothing with, like, one of the teams scoring in the first period – I'm gonna be a little upset and just be like, I've wasted a little bit of my life here. You're gonna be you're gonna be scrolling through through Twitter like in the second period and just you know get on the scroll zone. Absolutely. Now we all like that, but I'm gonna ask a guy that played defense growing up here, Fish. Do you prefer high scoring or low scoring hockey games? So I'd argue it always depends on the tide because I a good a good two one game that's tight the entire game where it's going back and forth one goal period. I think in really be something else to watch. However, I, I, I keep, I keep thinking the more I'm kind of listening to you guys, I think the Pacific, what I think the only thing it's lacking right now is I don't think there's as many stars. I mean, obviously you have like Eichel going to the, the Knights and whatnot, but the, it's, the one downfall right now is you have these high scoring teams, but there's just not as much of like the kind of media presence that you get when you have someone like Sid, to the kid and everything that draws in every immediate bit of attention for the past, what, 15 years or so. And I think that's the one thing they don't have going for them just yet outside of Vegas. However, I think Seattle is on its way there. And I think the Kings are right there in mix as well, where it's like a little more viewership. I think they can really start drawing some attention. I think there's a guy in Edmonton who'd argue against the stars in the Pacific though. Yeah. What the fuck, man? <laughs> Um, you know, another thing, just I'm just kind of like I'm looking right now just at the standings right now in the league, and I'm looking at just divisions. And one thing that I think is just kind of standing out to me looking at these teams is the level of goaltenders that uh, that you see. Like, so in the East, I mean, you've got um, Sam Stonov, you've got Shishterkin, you've got um, Craig Anderson, Vassy. Vazzy, yeah, no, Vazzy's in Vazzy's in the Atlantic. I'm talking just right there. I was focused on the Metro. Now Atlantic, oh, okay. Atlantic, yeah. You got Vazzy. You've got Linus Allmark. Um, who's mm-hmm. the guy in Detroit? I'm blanking on his name here. Billy Huso. Uh, Billy Huso. Yeah, Billy Huso. Yeah. Yeah, Florida. Uh, the Panthers. You got Sergey. You got Bob and Spencer Knight. You got two there. Yeah. So, and then just looking, and then West, I feel like you just, it, there's a little bit of a drop off there in the talent of goaltenders. I agree. I would have to agree with you there. Um, back to your point there, Phil, like uh, you were asking if it's better to watch offense or like, can you appreciate defensive shutdown games? I think if you got a low scoring game with some spectacular goaltending performance, if you're seeing like a lot of chances, a lot of crisp play, and the goalies just laying out to make saves, I think that can be entertaining. It's, 
when you get the sloppy games where you've got errant passes, a lot of back and forth in the neutral zone without a lot of zone time and pretty plays going through, that's when it really gets dull. But I think a great goaltender can make a low-scoring game pretty entertaining. But, sure. yeah, I, there's really not a lot to write home about in the Pacific as far as goaltending, as we saw on display in that Kings cracking game. Um, Edmonton's goaltending's not been great. Thatcher Demko's having a down year in Vancouver. And the Ducks are just bad all around. The only the only real name that's worth a damn goaltending-wise in the Pacific is Logan Thompson out in Vegas. Yeah, it's funny. And he wasn't even really a name until this well, year. And, well, of course not. He's a Calder candidate. But um, he's, you know, he's a rookie. But it's funny you mention that because – I'm sitting here with Fish, and not only is he the only one of us that's actually been to a game at T-Mobile in Vegas, he has a point to make right now, and I'd like to hear it. I was going to say the other thing. Again, you make a great point, Aaron, with the the, the way that the game is played is going to be really important, but it's it's really something else, too. When you get like a low-scoring game where it's just garbage and the goalies aren't playing – or sorry, I flipped around my idea. When you have a high-scoring game, the goalies are playing like garbage. It's it's almost excruciatingly hard to watch a team sit there and blow a three-goal lead, and it's like you're watching it. And the minute you start watching, it's like this is gonna go bad, and I don't know what else to do but just sit here and watch it go bad. And it's, it's yeah, incredibly frustrating and almost yeah. infuriating how bad it goes so quickly. I I know what you mean. L.A. had a couple plays like that too in that game we were talking about. I mean. There were times where there were two guys sitting just untagged in front of the net. Drew Doughty's off taking a stroll by the face-off circle. Nobody knows their assignments. You can see Todd McClellan on the bench when the camera panned to him. It's like he, he wasn't even pulling his hair out. He's just standing there with this, like, dumbfounded expression on his face. Like, what the fuck are these guys doing? And I think a lot of people watching were thinking the same thing. Absolutely. <laughs> there was a weird cutout there for a second. No, absolutely. I'm with you there, Aaron. Um, guys... We could talk about why we think scoring is up until blue in the face. But if you had to give it like a quick, you know, say one paragraph. Nate, why do you think scoring's up? All right. So uh, funny enough, I actually, I wrote a, when I was back in college, I, in a uh, sociology class, I actually wrote a paper um, and it was on, you know, why, you see actually fighting less in hockey. And this is, and it's weird, but here's how I'm going to segue. You started to see back in the eighties, even early nineties, there was a lot of fighting in the game. I mean, it was very, very prevalent as we started to move into the late nineties into the, you know, two thousands. Now we're in, you know, 2010s. There's been just a greater emphasis put on skill and offense rather than guys being just big or being, physical and brutish and so i think that's you know you're starting to see more of that and then it gains popularity you start to see more athletic guys do it guys are playing it for a longer time you're naturally going to have better players you got to roll four lines deep aaron how do you feel about it so uh john tortorella actually had a quote that kind of pertains to my point here on the tnt broadcast the other night um they asked him quoting, about, quoting old torts oh yeah love the man so uh, they asked him about the younger players coming up and if he's had to change his coaching style. And he fires right off the bat. It's a young, dumb league. So many more mistakes now than in our game back in the day. He says, coaches, we've evolved. I think you have to because I used to be the dot that I crossed the T, almost forecast what the game's going to be before it was played. Now I think you need to allow them to live through some of those mistakes for them to mature. I think he's got a point there where 
a lot of the guys we're seeing now, we're seeing young stars come up, you know, one or two years after their draft rather than cooking in the minors and really having to battle through and getting benched and sit down when they don't have defensive responsibility if they miss assignments or whatever. I think a lot of coaches these days now, there's so much emphasis, and I think social media may play a big part in it too. I mean, you see guys trying the Michigan all the time, doing all these slick, fancy moves. People are working so much more on their offensive creativity instead of just the grind it out, buckle down, make sure I'm always in the right spot defensively all the time. And I think coaches are given more of the freedom to do that too. So if you watch a game today, it looks almost nothing like it did 10 years ago where everybody's clogging up the neutral zone. You've got a lot of dump and chases. People are trying moves at the blue line. Sometimes it works out and they score. Sometimes it doesn't work out. You have a turnover for an odd man rush the other way. So we're seeing a lot more breakdowns, I think, due to a lot of the youth and the freedom that is being afforded to it. Hey, Aaron. Aaron, what pays the bills? Offense pays the bills. Goals and assists. Exactly. Fish, do you have an opinion on this matter? I was just going to say, I mean, it's always interesting, too. When the more you look at it, I think the age really does play a big factor. Because, I mean, again, you start looking at the teams in the East, like over the across the board, the vast majority of them have kind of an aging kind of premier level player that's been in the league for 10, 15 years. Whereas you start looking at the Western Conference and the vast majority of the guys who are really kind of the stars of the, that side of the league are in their first six at kind of like the high end, I would say. And so it's like the the one kind of anomaly that I'm seeing is like Boston, for some reason, has still kind of been able to maintain that high point scoring mentality literally for the past 10 years, which is infuriating. But at the same time, it's like it's also like it doesn't quite make sense because they don't seem to be following the same trend that everyone else is. Now, Phil, Fish, just a thought for you here real quick. I mean, to kind of build off of Aaron's point, you know, you see a lot of guys just even putting more emphasis on the offensive part of their game as they're growing up. I mean, I feel like maybe and maybe you, you'll know this better than me, but I feel like one position specifically that's out there on the ice these days in offensive defensemen, you didn't see that in the 80s. I don't know if you saw it much in the 90s. I don't think even in the 2000s, I think it wasn't until maybe after 2010 when you started to see those guys start to appear in the league. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I was actually joking in my head a little bit. I was trying to think of like, um, as we were coming in, I was like, okay, what, what is kind of like the most important position in hockey right now and what's not? And I, I joked in my head, I think arguably I'd say the, the position is disappearing the most currently in hockey. I think you're going to get a lot more offensive forwards that are just really – talented as they keep going forward but honestly a good defensive forward is going by the wayside they're not putting up the points a lot of times they're not getting the ice time they're not getting on as much they're not going to be able to help in the defensive zone they're not going to win those important faceoffs down their zone defend on the power play and whatnot and the penalty kill i mean and i think that's the i think it's where you see a lot of kind of those goals failing is it's not so much the defenseman playing down in the corners it's the that third guy coming back into the zone trying to help out in the point. And then you have a guy drifting behind and gets a wide open shot. And it's, it seems like no one's looking at him, but in, in some regard, if you just have forwards out there who are focused on getting the puck and going and scoring, that's what ends up happening. Nine Everybody's out of cherry picking instead of tagging the trailer. Yeah. Nine out of 10 Zach Wierenski goals, just being that fucking third trailer guy. Absolutely guys. Uh, I, I loved here that, you know, we're talking about the torts quote and fish. Your insight is phenomenal. Fish played hockey at a, you know, at a, at a good level. And, you know, he, he's, 
you know, been around the game for a long time. So I really value your opinion. And I agree with you. And Nate, I get what you're saying. And, and Aaron, I get what you're saying. And I'm going to be a uh, little devil's advocate here, boys. Um, I love John Tortorella and everything he did for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And for those listeners that don't know, uh, of course, Aaron, Nate, and I are Blue Jackets fans, but we brought on another Blue Jackets fan to the podcast. Um, that being said, Torts is a fucking dinosaur. Torts is old man yelling at clouds. Torts is everything that's wrong with what you should say in the media right now. <clears throat> and I say that not from a hockey aspect. From a ho- hockey aspect, Torts is 100% right. That He is unequivocally correct. There are stupid mistakes because Gen Z that is overtaking the ice has the attention span of a gnat. And come at me, Gen Z, let's go. But millennials were not much better, don't get me wrong. Um, but at least we played outside as kids. No, I'm kidding. But my big thing is we live in an era now where that style of coaching and that style doesn't produce the revenue the league wants. The NBA, the NFL are light years ahead of, you know, the rest of the world, essentially in terms of marketing, excluding the Cristiano Ronaldo's and the Mohamed Salah's of the world you know, at this time in terms of like social media endorsements and things like that. Those are two of the highest paid international footballers that get touched, you know, their influence touches the entire world. The NHL is trying to get to that point. And I think they're doing the right thing, but people are arguing that it's compromising the game. We need to find a happy medium. So from someone that works in media and someone that's worked in media for a long time um, and in advertising, I love the fact that the NHL is looking at it going, we need to kind of get into this millennium, but we also need to keep the integrity of the game. So I hope they find a good common balance of those two things. Does anybody have a counterpoint to what I just said? I would everything- argue that the quote that he gave actually shows that he's kind of evolved to the game as it is now. I mean, well, no, it, he's saying he's, he's saying coaches. No, he's saying coaches have, and that means I want to cover my own ass. I don't think so. I mean, he, I, I he's do. Ta- I do. He's talking about how he used to be, you know, the cross the T dot the I guy. And instead he's like, now you have to let these guys play more and give them some more leash. I, 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 I know. I, how he's involved. We've even seen that in Columbus here. I mean, he's the guy who had the safest death sign posted above the door before they walked out onto the ice. You know, he, he wants to push and try stuff. No, no, it, 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 it's true. I'm not saying torts is a, isn't, isn't, is the oldest dinosaur that ever lived, but he's definitely, you know, part of the Cretaceous period in my opinion, but Hey, I love Torts and I respect Torts, and he is obviously he's won Stanley Cups and he's brought Columbus uh, to levels that we thought we may never see because this franchise is fucking inept. Um, let's hop down here and not to dampen the mood, but we do have to talk about Chris Letang. Um, Chris Letang, throughout his entire career, guys, has struggled with strokes, and unfortunately, he had another one on Monday. Um, he's out indefinitely. Uh, Mike Sullivan came into the locker room, let the team know what happened. He said, you know, they gave a status update. Chris is stable. He's okay. Uh, not expecting any lasting effects from the stroke, but it's still a brain injury, if if you will. Um, it could potentially be career-threatening. He's definitely an older player. Chris Letang, in my opinion, is a fringe Hall of Famer. We can open that up for discussion, but, you know, as the one talking right now. I hope, Chris, I hope we see Chris Letang back on the ice, even if it's just for one game. Just, you know, a couple shifts. Give him a send-off for the boys. But he suffered a stroke in 2013-14, and he was out for over two months. 
Um, he was born with a small hole, small hole in his heart. Say that three times fast, boys. Um, it normally closes up. Unfortunately, it did not close up for him. Um, hope they, they, They're saying that this is less severe than that one. Let's hope that that's true. He has, you know, in terms of his accomplishments on the ice this year, uh, KL has 12 points this year, leading the team in ice time, 23-54 a game. Um, you know, obviously a, a key cog in their, you know, in their wheel that's missing, but for Penguins fans and for hockey fans in general and for, truthfully, human beings, uh, it's less about the hockey and more about the man. And we could talk about his career. And if he does decide, I, I think we should save that talk for if he does decide to hang it up. But right now, um, if you're Chris Letang, are you thinking about it? Or are you taking medical advice and finishing the year? Or what are you doing? And Aaron, we'll start with you. I really don't think that – I mean, the team came out and said it's not career-threatening. Um, they said it's less severe than the last one. Uh, I, I haven't seen any quotes from anyone saying that this could be as severe as I think some people are making it out to be. I mean, obviously sure. anything to do with the brain is, you know, big bad news. But Absolutely. I, I think that he's looking at just getting some additional tests, kind of seeing where it goes. And he, he's pretty much stated publicly that he wants to get back onto the ice. So I, unless they come up with something in these tests that is not predicted, I don't really see this as being a long-term thing. I'd, I'd say like a month or two would be my guess, and then maybe even less. And sure. then we'll see him back out there, thankfully. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Fish, how do you feel about it? I think the impressive thing, I read an article saying that he was, the whole the whole reason he was able to catch it as early as was is, he, is that he's very aware of how his body is reacting and it's been very aware since he had the first one a couple of years back. And to me, that says that he's like paying attention to some of that stuff and is very attentive to how that goes. So, I, I mean, I got to think he if he's that attentive, he's catching it early, he's getting it addressed, he's probably going to be generally okay. I mean, obviously it's not a good thing to have, but in some regard, if you're going to have a stroke, it's probably way better for you to identify you're having a stroke and then get medical attention as fast as possible. I'd anticipate to see him back, whether or not he's actually ever going to reach where he was five, six years ago. Who knows? But, I mean, to me, I think he's not even just fringe. I think he's 100% in. I, mean, he, I would argue he's up there among some of the best defense or offensive defensemen that have been in the league in the past 20 years, and I think he would deserve it. But I definitely think he's probably got some more in him. It's just whether or not he wants to take that risk. But in the grand scheme of things, he's got a whole life to live, and I'm sure his family would probably want to look at that a little bit. But at the same time, it, I mean, he's played with passion for a long time, and I'm not sure that that's going to be something he's going to easily give up. Totally. Yeah, agree. dude, I, no, I totally agree with you, Fish. He's, uh, he's coming up on almost 1,000 games played. He's won three Stanley Cups. Like, Chris Letang is – you know, when we look back on like certain generations of NHL players, and I think for you know, especially for the you know the four of us, he's going to be on that list of guys that like growing up from like late middle school through high school through college through young adulthood. When you talk about like top five D man that played in the NHL through that time period, we're to talk about Chris Letag, and that might paint pain us as Blue Jackets fans, but it's true. Nate, do you agree with what everybody else has said so far? I mean. Here's my I'll, I'll keep it sweet. You've made you've won your cups. You've made your money. 
take care of yourself. Just find some, make, maybe it's time to hang them up. Hey, and, and that's totally fair. You know, he may come to that decision on his own. He may decide to come back and play the rest of the year and then go back to it. Who knows? I mean, it's who am I to say? Who are any of us to, you know, we're just speculating here for everybody out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, we all wish the best for Crystal Tang, speedy recovery. And I hope uh, this issue gets resolved at some point in his life and he gets to live a normal life with him and his family. So let's go back to a positive note, but also a negative note, but it also pisses off New Jersey. And if you piss off America's armpit, I don't think it's too bad. Aaron, take us away on what happened with the New Jersey Devils and that winning streak. So, New Jersey Devils win 13 games in a row. They play Toronto Maple Leafs at home, and they get three goals called back off after they score. End up losing the game. Boo! Boo. Now, we can argue about whether these were legitimate no goal calls. I personally, after looking at them, I can't argue with the league's decision to call them all off. I mean, it, one was kicked in. There was some goalie interference. It, it, they were all kind of legitimate calls, but getting three called against you in a game, the the fans after the third one just lost it. I mean, who are they? The Blue Jackets? People were throwing, well, we've never thrown beers and shit on the ice, I don't think. They were tossing beers on the ice. They were tossing trash out there. They, New Jersey almost got a delay a game penalty because the fans wouldn't stop throwing shit out there. And everyone in the media is shitting on this, saying it's classless and everything. I'm like, if you paid good money to get into this arena and the fucking New York. Okay, you, can, you can't judge. The NHL can't. is getting free fucking goals called off. Uh, you're justified to talk shit on the, on the ice. ice. I no, love it, man. Not. I love the no, passion. It gives us stuff to talk about. Oh it's, my god! I bought an ice great. cream cone here, and they fucked it up. So I'm gonna break the window. No, it doesn't. They're no, not breaking doesn't. the window. They're just throwing some stuff on the ice. It's all. It right. causes hazards. They I stopped mean, the game. They stopped the game for it, but they stopped the game to review all the goals too. I mean, the game stops a million times every night. I all right, all right. Fish is, fish is over here cracking up. Some people throwing their frustrations out than anybody else does. All right, all right. Fish is over here cracking up. Fish, be the arbitrator in this at this debate. Yeah, I mean, this is it's one of those weird things where it's like it's right on the line of where it's like I would argue it's the most New York thing I've ever seen, and it's like. As much as the Rangers are New York, this is the Devils being New York. Did Fish just compare the Devils to New York? Holy fuck, boys. Our mentions are about to die. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love it. Oh, you Midwestern bumpkin. Thanks a lot, Fish. Now we're going to have New Jersey fucks and New Yorkers up our ass. Jesus, the whole Bronx is going to be outside our fucking listen, window in the morning. Listen, you, got, you, you guys might have them up your ass. Things. I've been giving the devil so much love this year. I think I'm in the clear. They're, they're great, but it's one of those things, too. You go on one of these runs, and you get to one of these games where it feels like the entire world is falling down and just nothing is going right. And more than anything, I think that's what this runs into, where it's like you're playing on the tips of your toes. You're just close. You're so close to it being like a real deal and you you just want to extend the streak but to some extent it's like the hockey god's going to correct everything it's going to come back to life and unfortunately they ran into a brick wall and that's where it's like it just it's going to happen in the case again the fact that there's three i'm sure sitting in the stands it's like what the fuck and I, i'm sure they're like what the hell is going on but it's like at the, to some extent it's like 
it's all legitimate and it's nothing that's like, oh, you can't really see the pocket and they're calling it back anyways. It's like, I can fully understand it. It's just like, it's, again, I hate to say it, but it's like, it is the most New York thing in the, in the world to do, throw full beers onto the ice just because you're pissed off at what's going on with the reps. Yeah. I, as, as I, a, I'd argue it's more New Jersey than New York, to be honest. Yeah, New Jersey is – I there's some trash bags all over the East Coast. I, I guess we can't say, like, one's worse than the other. We love but, you all. Keep listening. But, you know, I mean, the Devils lose that one. They've won three in a row since. They're still flying high. Uh, ultimately, they're having a great season. I think it's going to continue on. And this isn't the end of the world for them. It made some headlines. It gave us some stuff to argue about on here. And, you know, I think everybody moves on and is happy that their team's winning. Aaron, I see that, you know – you're you're making a bunch of comparisons here, buddy. Do you think this Devils team reminds you of that uh that year one Vegas Golden Knights team? Absolutely. The the style of play, I think, just from watching them is so similar. So that Vegas team, they didn't have like a crazy super loaded roster, but everybody on that team played with pace. They forechecked hard. They were opportunistic. They picked off fancy dancy passes for the neutral zone and turned them the other way for scoring chances. They just killed teams on turnovers and off the rush. And the, the New Jersey Devils are doing the exact same thing this year. So that Vegas team, nobody figured out how to fucking defend it until Washington in the cup final when they realized, hey, how about we be responsible, take care of the pucks, let's dump it in if there's uneasy play, let's force them to play defense, let's for check, let's get after them. And they ended up beating them in five games. So I think if some of these heavier teams, which there aren't, really aren't that many heavy teams that play that way anymore that any in the league. I mean, everybody's kind of going towards speed and skill. But, like, the Bruins are a team that stand out to me. Uh, Washington's still got a little bit of that. St. Louis. But for the most part, there's not a lot of teams that can kind of wear you down and bang into the boards and stuff and force you to make mistakes. So I think New Jersey is going to just keep rolling here for a while until somebody figures it out and puts a game plan together against them. Yeah, that's entirely fair. Does anybody else have a point they want to extrapolate on at this time, or should we move on to the next topic, boys? I'd say move on. I, I, I'm on. With let's, yeah. let's do it. Let's go to Peter DeVore in Dallas, guys. He's been fucking killing it in his first year behind the bench. Um, I love the, the note here. You guys will never guess which San Jose Sharks fan on this podcast wrote it. Uh, a lot of similarities. Um, yes, there are. And uh, honestly, my big thing for the Stars right now, boys, they just signed Hints to an eight-year deal. They got Rupe Hints locked up in the Dude, good way, not in the I, bad way. He's not in prison. All right, he's not in prison. I want to, you know, identify that. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that, Phil. Um, Someone has to clarify around here. So – Rupe Hintz, when he came into the league, I remember I was like, okay, that's a guy, you know, he he can be like a good second, third line guy. He can he can chip in every now and then, responsible defensively. I never imagined he would be getting paid big money like this and putting up over a point a game. I mean, he he has really blossomed into a great center in this league. And it's it's cool to see him finally get paid. Great deal for Dallas, in my opinion. They lock him up long term at a relatively low cap hit considering he's scoring more than a point per game right now and he's young. So I, I think this is just kind of a match made in heaven. Uh, the Robertson deal as well, which happened in the offseason, Dallas has really done a good job of locking these young guys up for some term below 
what they would get on the UFA market if they were ever to go that far. So it's, yeah. it's kind of nice to see. Uh, this core is going to be here for a little while. I, but, I, I, I entirely agree with you. Fish, you want to say something about Dallas? Uh-huh. Yeah, the one thing I will say, and uh, this is going to be harsh to uh, any Dallas fan, I I would argue they have been like this for the past oh, eight years or so. They've had no finish up until now. They cannot f- seem to figure out how to get it done when it really matters later in the season. Happy to see them at the top of that division. My God, let's see where they're at in April when it actually matters because that's, I mean, They've been good for a long time. They've got a deep roster. They've got some good veterans on their team, but they seem to drop the ball when it actually starts to matter. Their goal, sto- their goal scoring starts to suffer. They get a little bit of a bump in the road, and it just can all fall to hell. So, I mean, I'm happy to see them doing well, but my, it's all Big question, big question is, does, does the new bench boss make that much of a difference? Does he, does he correct that point in their game and get them over that hump? Very true. I mean, that's that's something that a coach can do, and it's like maybe it will get him over the hump, but it's it remains to be seen. Because again, you're looking through their roster. I mean, they've got guys that have been there for every one of these runs, and almost always right around the beginning of the year, you start talking about the Dallas Stars at the top of the league, and right around March or April, they're maybe down a couple more spots, and then throughout first, second round in the playoffs almost every year. So it's like. I'm not saying that they won't get through it this time, but it, it, they seem to run into the same brick wall pretty frequently. I, I'd have to agree with you there, and I think it's happened. In okay, okay. I'm going to hijack this. Hijack it. Mm, a lot of jokes I could make there. Um, <laughs> I'm hijacking because there's one thing that I don't think Dallas has had in a long time that I think they could make a run in playoffs, and that's Jake Ottinger, man. Like, Jake Ottinger is that guy. They signed him to a very team-friendly deal. And I think right now this team is set up to make a little bit of a run. Fish, I'm with you. I agree 100%. I do think that historically the Stars outside of that 99 team, and Sabres fans will, you know, come at me. Let's go. Uh, they did win the Cup. Oh, God. But I do think this team is different, and I do think they have their young superstar goaltender. So that is just my uh, quick interjection, if I will. Aaron, back to you. Uh, thank you for bringing that up, Phil, because that is one thing I was going to say. They, I mean, Ottinger's still young. He's had this stretch of greatness only from the playoffs up and through, like, the first quarter of the season here. So who knows if he's going to be like this forever, but all signs point to yes for me. Um, but uh, to go back to your point there, Fish, I, I totally agree. Dallas always in the past, I think, the reason they fall off is because they've always been good at one thing. Under Lindy Ruff, they were a scoring machine. They could score all day long. They didn't have great goaltending. They couldn't play good defense. Lindy Ruff goes out. Montgomery comes in. And then, therefore, after uh, Rick Bonus, and they became a defensive stalwart, but they could not score. This is the first time I've seen a Dallas team that can take care of the puck in both ends. Uh, a lot of it is coming from that top line. At least it was last year. But this year, we're finally starting to see a resurgence from Jamie Benton and Tyler Sagan they're not quite to the level they were back in the Lindy Ruff days but they're you know starting to make those nine million dollar contracts a little bit more manageable and you're getting production from up and down the lineup and you've got a young stud on the blue line Miro Haskin and the whole team is working their way back they're they're possessing the puck well they're being responsible clean exits out of their own zone I, this is the first time I've seen them put 
the entire game together instead of just excelling at one part that teams can key on and lock down. Don't get me wrong, I'll be happy to see him do well, but to some extent, like I, I, I am, I'm, I'm hesitant to see him kind of do much more. And then all those, all, every point you've made is spot on. It's, I've like, I've been a, somewhat of a fan of them since back since the Mike Madonna days, just in kind of passing. But it's, it's one of those things that's like I, they never seem to kind of finish it off. And uh, it'd be cool to see him find a kind of put the bow on the season this year. Yeah, I've got I've got one other stat for you here while we're on Dallas, and then we can move on. Um, Pete DeBoer, let's go over his coaching resume real quick. First year with the New Jersey Devils, Cup Final. First year with the San Jose Sharks, Cup Final. First year with the Vegas Golden Knights, didn't make the Cup Final, but deep playoff run. Dallas Stars, I'm calling it. Put your futures in Cup Final right now. Yeah, that's entirely fair. Nate, there's some odds, I think, out there. Oh, the buddy, always odds out there. There's always. Uh oh, by the way, folks, for those who don't know, Nate does a little bit of the uh, side hustle at SMI Side Hustle. Yeah. In case, you, in case you guys didn't know, we have the SMI Side Hustle. Nate and I also have a separate podcast called Small Market Insecurities. Follow us on Twitter at Small Market IS, Instagram, Small Market Insecurities, TikTok, Small MKT Insecurities. That's where you can find all of the other content that you like. If you're a fan of a big market, still tune in and talk shit to us. If you're a fan of a small market, give us all the love. But Nate also does his subsequent gambling off of that at SMI side hustle. Nate, let's hear it. Yeah. And before I tell the listeners, these, this is also your mid episode reminder to go right now. Look at go to the top of this beerly hockey page. And I want you to leave us a five-star review. Five right? stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Just a reminder. Five we shamelessly panhandling out here, boys. And just a reminder, if we get to 55-star reviews, we will record a almost blacked-out episode, all three of us. We're already there. So just do that, all right? Just do it. Do it. Anyway, uh, so yes. There are some futures out there that might be of interest. Uh, speaking to Aaron's point of Dallas always making a, you know, or Peter DeBoer first year team is making a cup final. So right now, um, Dallas is sitting at plus 950 to win the West, plus 2000 to win the cup. Um, if you were to parlay Dallas winning the West with New Jersey winning the East, you could get that at plus 6,725. Throw a hundred of your softer and dollars there. You may not work the rest of your life. Well, well, first of all, soft, hard, medium, earned dollars, they all matter, okay? Yeah, they all matter. Hey, I want to know what kind of lifestyle you're living if that's going to last you the rest of your life, bro. <laughs> don't ask questions. Just accept the facts, boys. Don't ask questions, buddy. You don't all want right, to. so – <laughs> Guys, we have we have we we have notes in here. We're talking about San Jose, I guess. And uh, Aaron, if you want to talk about San Jose, go for it, dude. I so this is maybe my last chance to talk about the Sharks while they have a shot at being relevant. So I've just got listen. Speaking is hard sometimes. Okay, get off my case. So the Sharks right now, they've been very bad to start the year. They went on a little bit of a run, 
and then they were enthralled in another losing streak. Shut out Montreal for nothing uh, to kick off an Eastern Canada road trip. It also includes Buffalo, but they're basically Eastern Canada. So, you know, it's, it's an Eastern Canada road trip. Um, end up dropping a game against the Leafs last night. But in their next few games here, we are going to have the next five teams they play are not good. Um, we've talked about Buffalo a little bit. They've fallen off. But next games are at Ottawa, at Buffalo, against Vancouver at home, at Anaheim, against Arizona. So they've got a little bit of a chance to bank some points here, see if they can get maybe close to being back in the mix. I, I'm not holding my breath, but this is kind of their last shot to save their season. Right now they're sitting at 8-14-4. They are seventh in the Pacific. You're an, optim- you're, an op- you're an optimistic fella. Listen, they're seventh in the Pacific. They're only three points out of a playoff spot, though, somehow. The West has been dog shit this year. So th- there's some teams ahead of them here with games in hand. So it- it's going to be a tough ask, but they've got a golden opportunity to bank some points if they can pull some shit off here. I, yeah. I just have no, that's, to say, that's fair. If, they, if they don't, you gotta fucking sell people off and take- all right, all right. Can I can I start with the selling In- off process? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So number one number one is number one's Nick Benino. That's an easy one. Nick Benino's one cups. So he's gonna go somewhere to win a cup. Yes yeah. or no? Has he won? I don't think he's won cups, has he? Didn't he, he, was in, did he-, he was in Anaheim for a while and made some runs, but I don't think he's ever won one. I thought Nick Benino won a cup in Pittsburgh. Yeah, Nick Benito. Oh, you're fucking been, right. You're yeah, right. Nick I forgot. Benito. Yeah, suck my cock. He was part of that uh, that trade for was it Perron? Woo! Yeah, yeah right. that, that's who Ryan. Yeah, that's who Ryan like Whitney got traded for. in a row against Tampa in Game Seven. No, not Ryan Whitney. Sorry, but either way, yeah, dude, he was with the he was with the fucking Pens from 15 to 17, dude. He was there for the two cups. Yeah, you're right. No, I'm I'm totally wrong. Man, about that. man, man played 45 45 playoff games in two years. Yeah. Let's go. And then Nashville, Minnesota, and San Jose. Yeah, dude. The man's won cups. He's going to get paid. And not by, and by paid, I mean a chance to win cups. <laughs> yeah. He, that's going to be an easy deal to move, I think. He, he's making 2.5, but he's well-respected around the league. He'd be a nice depth addition to a team that wants to kind of shore up their bottom six. Fish is, um, fi- Fish is waving me down like he's fielding a, do a, it. Punt, a punt right now with nine guys on him. What's up, buddy? I was going to say, I, I feel like, and maybe this is uh, too early to say this, I think the Pacific, I think, is going to end up like the Metro did last year. I think from Calgary on down is going to be significantly out of playoff race. I think Edmonton up currently in the standings is going to be fine. Fuck I, Edmonton, I think bro. it's just going to separate like crazy. I, I'm, I really don't think San Jose has any chance. I don't think Vancouver does. Quite honestly, I think Calgary is going to falter a little bit more later. I think they're good right now, but I – I don't see them having the depth that they need to kind of make a solid run. I think that entire division separates out and just kind of takes off where it's at right now. Fish, I'm with you, buddy. That thing is going to separate. That thing is going to part like the red fucking sea, dude. The separatist powers, fish. I want you to extrapolate on your Calgary Flames take. I mean, I just have no confidence in their depth whatsoever. I mean, they have some, they have a little bit of talent, but they're. They're just spotty, is what I see. They're they're one of those teams that they're going to capitalize occasionally on a, a team that has a bad night, but I don't see them kind of winning better better odds of the season. 
And I think as the other teams kind of take off and really win some other games against some of the, the lower-level teams in the, the West in particular, I think it's really going to start showing probably right around the All-Star break. I, I got to disagree with you here. I think Calgary is better than they were last year, to be completely honest. It, that, that, that's a hot fucking take. That's a hot fucking it, take. If oh, Aaron, so you, Aaron they're better. They're better right. without Johnny Phil. Hockey. Phil, you gotta, you gotta let me expand here. They're I, better I love, without. Johnny, I love the I hot have, take alarm you're signing off. Here, I but. have to say that you think they're better without Johnny Hockey. Well, so let me let me expand upon that. Basically, you're losing Johnny Hockey. You're adding Jonathan Huberto and Nazem Kadri. You lose Matthew Kachuk. You add Mackenzie Weger. So Calgary's defense was their sore spot in the playoffs last year. Chris Tanev was out. Edmonton came back, capitalized on a weak defensive court. I think they had another key injury, too. I can't remember exactly who it was. But Mackenzie Weger, Jonathan Huberto, Kadri all come in. I kind of expected these guys to get off to a little bit of slow start. Slow start. They've got a lot of new pieces in here. They're playing for a hard-ass coach. There's a lot of learning curve, I think, that's going to be going into the Calgary Flames. I think around January, we're going to see these guys finally start to figure it out and click. Huberto is not having a good season so far. He fought injuries early on. Kadri's been decent, but I think he's got some more to give. Uyghur, I think, is going to buy into the system a little bit more as the season progresses. He's going to kind of learn the assignments and stuff because last year in Florida, it was just fucking fire wagon hockey all the time. But he, he's got a good two-way game. So I, I really like their personnel versus last year. My big question mark is Jacob Markstrom. He has not had a good start to the year. He did not have a good playoffs last year. Is he going to be able to figure it out? Because if the rest of the team plays well, but the goaltending sucks, they will not make the playoffs. You're right on that fish. I just keep thinking, like, if you're looking at who they got in their division, where they're kind of shaking up right now. I mean, if you're looking at it, I don't see them beating Edmonton. I don't see them beating LA. I don't see them beating Seattle. And I don't see them beating Vegas. And it's like, the more I think about those four teams and whether or not they can, they will drop enough to let Calgary in. I mean, they're three points out right now, but, I don't see that gap getting any closer. I mean, you, you rattle off. I mean, obviously, I mean, those guys are good. But, like, to me, obviously, they have some talent underneath them. And obviously, they're young. They're growing. But I just – you need, like, one bad injury. If John – Huberto gets injured again and Kadri, I don't know, re-breaks a finger or something. It's like, that's their season. Like, unless Markstrom gets real better, like, really good, really fast, I just don't see him kind of come back. So I, I think we'll go back on back and forth on Edmonton once we get to them, but that, that's for later later on down the list here. Um, uh, anything else on Calgary here, boys? I got nothing left on Calgary here. Is there anything else you want to go over in terms of the San Jose fire sale? Potential fire sale? Um, so uh, I got a couple other names on here. I won't go over all of them. The one thing I do want to bring up, there have been some rumors circulating that if they do go into full fire sale mode, they'd look at trading Timo Meyer. I don't see any fucking universe where they move this guy. He's their best young player. He's only 26 years old. He's a fucking unicorn, man. It, you don't see big, strong power forwards who can skate with speed, who are responsible on their own end, and who can finish like this guy does. He's got two 30-goal seasons. He's got two more 20-goal seasons. 
He's on pace to have a career high in goals of 37 right now. He is just a monster. He drags people with him to the net, and he can score from distance. I mean, he can do everything. He's the highest draft pick they've had in a while. And he signed through – or sorry. He signed through the end of this year. Then he's going to be an RFA. So he would probably get a decent return, but he's got a $10 million qualifying offer after that. And any team that takes him is in for some tough negotiation if he's not looking to stay there long-term. I, I think if San Jose can get him locked up before the end of the year on a long-term deal, they won't have to pay that 10 per season. Uh, they'll circumvent the uh, qualifying oh, offer in that way. But it's I, I don't see why you would trade this guy when he's going to still be in his prime by the time you're good again if you get some good draft capital this year. Holy so shit. I, I I gotta, just, hey, I got to break in here real quick. Uh, go ahead. Nashville just tied this game up with New Jersey with 8.4 seconds left in the game. Pulled no the way. Goalie, pulled the goalie. This game's probably – this game's going to OT. Well, we got Buffalo pushing to tie, too. We got 5-4 in the Avs Sabres. So we got we got some barn burners here tonight. Uh, I was just going to throw out there, I, the only way I feel about Meyer right now is that I think he is very similar to how the Jackets looked at Cam Atkinson a few years ago. So I, really? I feel like he has got a lot of potential. I think he's got a lot of talent. I would be surprised to see him go, but at the same time, I was startled to see them get rid of Cam Atkinson in a trade. So, I, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I think they would be stupid to let him go. But if you're doing a true fire sale, he's got the most value out of any guy on their team right now. I So, I, I got to push back just a little bit there because I think he is in a whole different league than Cam Atkinson. Cam could score when he played with good players. I mean, he he's a, he's a good finisher. He can kind of get lost in the fold, and he, he's good at capitalizing on stuff like that. But I don't think we've seen the uh, the chance generation from him that we've seen from Meyer. He can create things all on his own. And he's a lot younger than Cam, too. Like, when the Jackets traded Cam, he was approaching his 30s. Timo Meyer is 26. And he no, you're right. You're right. That's a good point. I do like that comparison, though. Hey, people have called Fish a lot of things in his life. But hockey inept is not one of them. Um, hey, that's true. Hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh. But we can talk about the sharks forever, you know, Kenny. Yeah, we're, we're done with the sharks now. I just had to get that off my chest, guys. That's totally fair. But before we get into the Oilers talk, hot route. Ooh, I, audible, audible, audible. Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. We do have a man that literally just bought a house in Omaha here. So that's it. Apropos in Oklahoma. Audible. In, yes, Oklahoma. Doesn't everybody know that? Um, I was going to ask a question, and I wanted to hear the debate from the boys. Fish brought this up earlier. We were talking about Calders. We were having dinner, and we were talking about Calders. And we've talked about on this podcast a lot. I know the game we played last week was we did a top three prediction. But what Fish wanted to know was if you were going to put money down for one guy to win the Calder right now, who are you putting on? And I'm going to let him go first. So my main thing on this one, we, we started off the conversation. I didn't let it go too far. I think if you have money on anyone but Logan Thompson, you are losing your mind. Yes, that, I, I love it. I love it. 
if they make the playoffs and if, with him as a rookie, he is their premier goalie and he is blowing the doors off right now. And I don't see there being a way that literally anyone could make up that gap. He is the important piece behind them making their run right now. If he's injured, if he's out, they're not where they are. So I, it is like he's almost like the MVP of their team currently. And it's like and he's a rookie. The one thing I was saying to Phil is like the, I, the only side I can see where he doesn't win is if he has a little bit of a downturn. He's going to get to the All-Star game. If he comes back from that and has a little slump on the backside of things, I, I oh boy, something may have just happened. Holy shit, Nashville just won that game. Damn. Holy, took like 20 seconds into overtime, Ryan Johansson, top shelf. Did he leave through the fucking Zamboni doors like he did in that? Fucking game Joey. Damn, top cheddar and all. Sorry, uh, bitch, go ahead, continue. Yeah, not a problem. But I, I just I do not see anyone competing with him unless there's something out of this world that happens. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm with you there. Yeah. Like it's to be to put your money on any or really on anybody but Logan Thompson right now is just basically donating your money to your bookie. That's uh, a sucker's bet. Yeah, yeah. I've, Guys. I've got one other guy who I think could give him a run, maybe. Nate, your boys a crack and have been tearing it up. Oh, Maddie Beneers. Maddie Beneers. I was going to wait. I knew it. I fucking I, knew it. I, think, I knew it. I think Logan Thompson, it's his to lose right now. I'm waiting. By the way, I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Maddie Beneers to get like six teeth knocked out. And then the first dentist in Seattle that can afford him signs him and goes, Maddie Beneers has some Maddie Veneers. This is what I did, baby. That's that's a good advertising capitalization there, Phil. That's that's the marketing mind at work. I like that. It never shuts off, no matter how much bourbon I've had. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay, so it, anybody else think there's any outside shot for anyone other than those two? Shane Pinto. Nah, fuck that guy. He dried up like a fucking Sahara desert. He I dried up. His, I he dropped dry, this bitch ass on my fantasy like team. Two weeks he ago. dried up like my ex-wife when I told her I loved her. Yeah, fuck that bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. We could, we could make awful, awful jokes all night, boys. Speaking of the opposite of dried up, let's go to the super lubed up and wet, the Edmonton Oilers. First in the West. 13-10-0. They're not first in the West. First wild card in the West. Oh, okay. Hey, nobody... I may be a smart man, Jen. Eh? Uh, <laughs> they've won. They've won three in a row, though. They're you know they're, they're skating by, but honestly, like they're winning these tight contested games. But at the end of the day, this is the National Hockey League. All that matters is if you get two or one or zero, right? And you know they came back. They scored the you know, four tucks in the third against the Rags. The Rags, obviously, a team that everybody respects. Um, Evan Bouchard with the winner there um, beat the Panthers in OT as well. Tried to piss it away against Chicago didn't um story of this team though guys really in the last i don't know three four years has been leaning on their heart trophy winners and mcdavid and Drysaddle, who once they just they put up egregious amounts of points and egregious amounts of you know egregiously low amounts of games but you know 11 points in the last three wins phenomenal um this team was pedaling around the maybe 
were going to sneak in to finally establish themselves as a team that's going to make playoffs. And Nate, we'll start with you. But when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers, man, uh, everybody knows their top two lines can get it done. But what's this team missing? Yeah, well, they miss they miss Evander Kane, obviously. Um, he's got three three to four months out with his playo wrist. Um, Ken Holland, Ken Holland might be forced to make a move. Um, dude, this team they they always just relied way too heavily on McDavid and Drysaitel. Like, just think about think about this Edmonton team any this year or any of the past four years. If one of those guys got to the point where they couldn't play, imagine what those like. Yeah, they're they're a top-heavy paper tiger. No matter how hard the media sucks Connor McDavid's dick, he's only on the ice for a third. Not hard enough. It's not. They don't suck it hard enough. He can't play sixty minutes a game. They suck his dick harder than anyone in the fucking world, dude. All he does is that. That's not true. Anything else? Austin. Oh my god. No, we're gonna listen. Did you just try to say Austin Matthews? Dad, you listen. Just. Just because Austin Matthews won the Hart Trophy last year does not mean they respect him anywhere near as much as they love McJesus. No, he gets sucked off more because he plays in Toronto. Neither one of them. No fucking way. Yes, he does. You ask any media member, they say the best player in the world is Connor McDavid. He is the best player in the world. Kale McCarr is the best player in the world. Okay, but Kale McCarr. I digress. They play different positions, so I guess it's like asking, you know, apples to oranges. But yes. I can I can agree with that statement, but Toronto's going to get the big time meaty suck off always. Yeah, but Connor McDavid's won more Hart trophies than Austin Matthews, so you can't say that like they're they're giving it to Matthews more than him. Guys, correct. Wait, guys, you're literally comparing missionary and cowgirl. Doesn't matter. You're having sex both ways. <laughs> That's it's true. Great. They're both very good. They're both very what, very good. What? Regardless, though, so in those three games that McDavid and Dreisaitl put up 11 points, what did the rest of the team do? Let's take a look. The bottom six had two points in that span. That's six players. The second line had eight. That's 10 points combined from the rest of your forwards, and two guys put up 11 to drag your team to wins. They can't do that every single night, and they definitely can't do that in the playoffs with good teams that can roll more than one line. They are never going to make a run until Ken Holland – Fledges out this roster, gets them some support, gets a competent defense, and can play hockey in more than just the offensive zone. Edmonton is a great regular season team. They are not going to win a cup until they get a supporting cast for those guys because they're doing all they can do, and it has not been enough so far, and it will not be enough because this is not the fucking NBA. You can't win with one or two players. You need a solid team. The fucking NBA. Fuck the NBA. That's my rant on the Oilers. They're the same fucking team every year. All they do is score with a couple guys and can't win big games when it matters. So the one I was going to say the one other thing they're kind of missing right now is you have Jack Campbell, who obviously played great with Toronto towards the end of the last season. Uh, and he's just not been having a good year. His goals against is almost a goal and a half over where he was last year. Um, if he kicked his, uh, his averages up, about where he was last year, he's sitting right around where he was, or where Logan Thompson's sitting right now. 
that's the other piece. Like if they can get some good action out of him late in the season, if he kind of gets and comes into his own with this team, if he gets a little bit of defensive support ahead of him, boy, can they take off too? Because I mean, they're very top heavy, but it's one of the funniest things in the world. It's like they're top heavy for a reason. I mean, they that top line I think can score against. I think that's the best top line in hockey right now, by far and away. It's not even remotely close. And 90% of it's because of Connor McDavid on that line. So it's it's one of those things I think he's going to be – I mean, he's a monster to begin with. But, I, like, I think they're going to come around. I think it's going to take the goaltender to kind of bring him up from behind a little bit. Fact. <laughs> Go off, King. Fact. If Connor McDavid was not on the Edmonton Oilers, they would have a third of the nationally broadcast games that they have on a regularly ca- calendared year. Correct. If Connor McDavid was not on the Edmonton Oilers, he might have a cup by now because he'd get some fucking help. It, all, all, also a fact. Also a fact. Yeah. Uh, and Aaron, to go back Aaron, on Jack Aaron's Campbell. Aaron's just a big-time hater. Uh, dude, I'm just a big-time hater of a team that's hanging their star out to dry when he's pouring his blood, sweat, and tears out there and he's not getting Okay, that's fair. As, lo- as long as you're not anti-Connor McDavid. So, I, I don't like... I don't Sometimes like you seem like the fun police. No, I'm, I'm sorry, Air Goebbels. Don't yell McDavid at me. Connor McDavid is amazing to watch. I, I love his game. He's awesome. But I just don't think you can win a cup with one guy like that. that. That's all I'm saying. But to touch on the goaltending there too, Fish, uh, Jack Campbell's almost in danger of losing his job too. Like Stuart Skinner has started 12 of their 23 games. He's got a 914 save percentage. He's got a 291 goals against average. He's really he's not saving. Good. Yeah, he's saving 3.6 goals above expected. And it's, uh, I mean, he's he's really kind of bailing him out on a dud of a contract so far on Campbell. So I, I think the goaltending is okay. Ish. I, I just don't think they're getting support in their own end at all. This team has never I, I played. I think it's defense. one of those things. I think it's one of those things. You reduce a goal a game. I think they're going to be kind of probably, probably right up there in the first one or two in the division. But that, that I agree with you there. It's a hard thing to, to get. I mean, that's, that's a lot of work and a lot of effort from defensemen that's currently not there. And I know yeah. I, brought this, I brought this question up with Phil earlier, and I think it's a good one. Um, I mean, obviously there's other players that will play into this, but if neither one of them are winning a cup here in the next two, three, four years, who do you think is leaving first, Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews? So I'm going to – no, I'll hop in first because uh, technically Matthews' contract is up a year before Jesus. And I'm going to say I'm going to say McJesus, and I'm going to go I'm going to go McDusty leaves first, and I think McDusty will eventually, not this year, but after next year, will will demand that trade, and some team will go one year of Connor McDavid is better than never having him at all. Fish is over here screaming at me, Detroit. That's a hot take, and I like it. I just, One, I can see Stevie Y being the snake in the grass it, there. Just yes, snatching everybody, up. everybody agrees with it. Oh now, my god, my, I am I am erect right now. My other my other hot take is if they keep them all intact, I think he's the only guy in the league. That said, the kid would go. I'll go down to number two. See if I can win one more cup before I go. Would you see Connor McDavid spending his Last year of his contract in Pittsburgh before he becomes a free agent. If they can work some cap magic, maybe. 
Yeah, correct. Correct. Well, Malkin, Malkin will be gone. Malkin will be gone. It's they'll have room. Who signed longer? Malkin just re-upped. No, Malkin's there. Like they would, they would send Evgeny Malkin back to the gulag if it meant they could get Connor McDavid for a cup run. Like, let's be I, real. I do think it would take McDavid over Malkin, but. I, Who wouldn't? Holy I'd shit! I'd have to look at. I'd have to look at his contracts. That, guys, I'm like, guys, guys. They have all, a no movement clause because it took a fucking haul to get him to resign there. We're all Blue Jackets fans, and I think every single one of us would sit here and in their prime go, "I'd give up Bob. <laughs> I'd give up Z. I'd give up Seth. I'd give up the whole team <laughs> for Connor McDavid." Well, yeah, up. we've never had a guy like that. I'll give up my. I'll That's give up my, my future firstborn. That's my I'm never going to have a firstborn, but like I'll mortgage my house, I guess. I don't know. Um, fish, I, I fish. Back. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Fish, fish, you want to chime in? Fish. I was going to say the, the one other piece I see in there as well, too. I, I mean, to be honest, I think as much as I would love to see kind of like I really do, I think, and I've joked about, I thought about this for a long time. I think I could see Conrad David heading to Detroit under. Why and just absolutely fucking blowing the doors off. But to some extent, I I am foreseeing within the next year a total implosion of the Maple Leafs as they start dealing with the contracts expiring from yeah. what they're dealing with right now. And I think That's the minute they start to say. lose one of them, it is going to blow the doors off the hinges. And I think they are on a long spiral down for a few years. So, I, I mean, that would be my – I think Austin Matthews probably ends up moving first. And I'd be interested to see if maybe he ends up down. Here's a hot take: ends up down in Arizona for the, the beginning of their new, ideally the new re- arena coming in. But I, I, I do not see him staying much longer in two or three years unless they can get their act together really, really quick. That's. I agree with you, Fish. I agree with you, buddy. 100. percent With this. No, yeah, I 100 so percent agree. If fuck if you, Aaron. Leaves, hey, <laughs> Phil. You need to listen to the words coming out of my mouth right now. So I've been doing I've, I've been doing that for months. Austin Matthews, he is going to be up for a new contract here in a couple of years. The guy who signed him to his current deal, Kyle Dubas, is going to be fucking chopped like the onions I put in my omelet this morning. If they don't win a playoff series this year, it it's all fucking eggs in the basket for this season for Toronto. If if shit doesn't work out for him. That thing is getting blown up like uh, – okay, I can't think of a, an analogy that's not going to get us in trouble. Like but no, well, regardless – I can think of many. I can think of many like, analogies, but none that I want to put out in the public sphere. Like, so, a, to- like a toilet after a 12-hour flight. There you go. That's That, that one's PC. So we like got to- – Like a toilet after a 24-hour bender. There you go. Um, like a fucking love truck stop during rush hour. And yeah, I just—I I love the to Arizona. He's from there. They're going to have a shitload of cap space. They're yeah, draft capital. Their cap space is garbage right now. The Maple Leafs—they are—they are the. I, I would argue they're the worst cap space team right now. When you start looking at what they performed with the talent they have, I mean, they've not added anything. And if anything, they're reducing their talent every year because they have so much cap space taken up by the top end, and the top ends is not performing to where they need to win a cup. And yeah. just, I feel like it's one of those things you're in this inevitable spiral where they're watching their money go out the window and it's just, it's not getting them anything productive. I mean, they get into the playoffs every year and they just can't get past the next level. And to be honest, I mean, 
I would imagine looking at how they would line up this year, I imagine they're going to probably end up against someone like the Bruins. Or maybe, I mean, right now they would probably what line up against Carolina ish, maybe. It's like that would be probably pretty close, but you never know what's going to happen there. And given how the Maple Leafs have done the past couple of years, they'll probably slide a little bit by the time they get to that point, anyways. It's just. Yeah, they're. They're Edmonton East. They're top-heavy. They got a few guys who do a whole shitload, not a lot below them. The only thing that's bailed them out here recently is guys like Giordano, Spezza, guys who like can provide something, taking league minimum to fit under the cap and play there because they they like it there. Well, they're from quite there. Honestly, I think I think there's this whole kind of concept that's been following along with Austin Matthews and. Uh, Marner and whatnot that's like, oh, they're about to pop. They're about to pop or get a cup. And it's like you look at those guys that have been jumping in, it's like they're towards the end of their career. They're searching for a cup. They're going to take relatively low cap cap space friendly deals. And they're trying to get in. They're trying to get to the cup. And it's just I feel like it's been happening the past couple of years, and I think they just don't have enough to get there. They're, yeah. they're like so close, and they're just going to fall at the end because they Quite honestly, I just don't think they have. They don't have enough. They don't have enough in the spots where it matters. Yeah, they've they've had some brutal matchups in the playoffs, but that's no excuse. And it's it's just like Edmonton. The bottom six in the defense is always a fucking patchwork quilt. Matthews scores, Tavares scores, Marner puts up points, Nylander does his thing. But when those guys aren't on the ice, other teams exploit everyone else on the team and get rid of whatever lead that they had when those guys were on. They, they can't build a full well, team because they've got, like, $50 million tied up in four players. And then you watch their, those those four guys' production when you start getting into the playoffs. dips like a, I don't know, like the Titanic in the winter. Like, it's, <laughs> it's garbage. Like, it, when you look at their production, it is, with as much money as those four are being paid, you would expect to go into a seven-game series and watch them put up 10, 15 points, at least goal-wise, 10, 15 goals between those four. And instead, you look at their stats, and I think they're probably five or six goals total. And yeah, it's like, that's, that's just not enough. And, and I think a big part of that is the fact that there's nobody underneath them to be a threat, so other teams can key on those guys and lock them down. So, like, you're putting your best matchup line and your top two D guys on those people every time. You're throwing everything you have at them because you know if you can shut them down, there's no threat underneath them. You, you can, you know – roll short shifts on your top shot down guys and put your second line out there for short shifts and have fresh legs out there defending them all the time, not giving them any space. Cause you know, you can have your third and fourth lines just feasting on what's left of the Maple Leafs after they're on the bench. Totally agree. Totally agree. I really, Austin Matthew, I, I don't give him much more than two years. I think two years and he's out. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. I, I think he's moving to greener pastures, less pressure, more cap space, go back, warmer weather. Well, and the one thing we haven't talked about, too, is go back to America, and he has a better tax bracket, which people That's don't true. want to talk about, but it is 100% true. Guys, um, we've been going at this for about 75 minutes now, and we normally do a segment every podcast that has nothing to do with the NHL. But tonight, we are joined by a gentleman that may or may not have one of the most brutal hits in hot in hockey history. So I introduced him slightly earlier, my buddy fish. who has been incredible tonight and fish. I want you to, at the end of this, 
we'll give you a little plug. And what I really want to hear is the story about how you ran that kid. By the way, for those that don't know, Fish is all of 6'6". Six, six. In high school, 6'6". Six, six. On skates, about 6'9". Uh, 275. His, his, his high school starting left tackle. Yeah, you throw in that lip pillow, Aaron. And Fish also played defenseman on the ice. So uh, think of Zdeno Chara meets uh, Matt Light on skates. And that was that was Fish. And, uh, buddy, I heard you had absolutely wrecked a kid. And we'd love to hear the story. Well, uh, so my senior year, there's a – we were obviously in game. And there was a relatively young forward on the other – the other team coming across the blue line with his head down, going across the ice. And me being the keen defender that I was, saw him that he was clearly going to get the pass, stepped up on him. And as he's starting to turn up ice, looking back to catch a pass, little known to him, as he's catching the pass and turning forward, he's got every bit of me bearing down upon him. I think he hit directly into my shoulder. And I think there was probably less time than – less than a second his head was going from my shoulder to the ice and just got leveled like a pancake and it was i'd argue probably one of the more vicious hits i've ever i've ever felt myself but um he was out cold like a light had they pulled they pulled him off to the bench he did not play again that game and i it's been one of those things where i've Somewhat proud of it, but at the same time, it's always one of those things. I got called for big boy penalties, especially in youth hockey. You get uh, called for elbowing and roughing all the time if you get a big hit and whatnot. And I, I was always so proud of that one because it was one of those things. My elbow was on, tucked to my side, and that guy went down like a bag of bricks. So, I mean, yeah, yeah high school hockey, man. What, you, what else can you ask for? You can't ask for much more than that. And to be honest, Fish, it, it, it was a clean hit. Relative. I mean, oh, there's oh, big boy penalties are 100% real. I mean, shit, like it's just going to naturally look like a more vicious collision because your bigger body, it's just more mass, more weight, hitting less mass and less weight. That littler thing is going to fucking fly naturally. And let's be honest, there's. Wait, hold on. Where, where is the science lesson with Nate coming? I yeah. need this second. Nate, are you an astrophysicist this... now? Oh, my God. Oh, guys. Oh, little little known fact. Um, we got I'm, Nate DeGrasse Tyson over here. I'm actually <laughs> science, bro. I really am. That was my highest. That was the highest scoring section of my ACT. Nate, 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 Nate. My ACT in science, I scored a 29. Get at me. Too bad it wasn't a 69. Nice. I got a 30 in writing, bitch, and like 25s and everything else. I'm not gonna comment on this because where's that writing where's that writing gotten you you asshole i'm putting together fucking purely hockey sheets that's where it got me (laughs) hey hey, this is a this is my question to the listeners you can include fish if you'd like to but between nate phil and aaron who had the best act score i'd love to see these fucking results um yeah, I'd love to see. I'd love to see these results, guys. I've got it. I've got to be the lowest. Like, I want to know. Like, <laughs> see, we need one that's a higher, highest, and I need one that's the lowest. And I definitely want to know if I, people think I'm the dumbest one. <laughs> Let, let's. We would be remiss if we didn't do that poll. So, guys, this will just about wrap up this episode of Barely Hockey. But before we go, let's give everybody a chance to give their moment of the week, 
sentiment, something you want to plug. We'll start with you, Aaron. What do you have to say to the people before we sign off? Well, goddamn, Phil, I didn't expect you to put me on the spot like this. We're going first. Uh, okay. Um, I am. Well, I figured you say... wanted to watch the second half of your beloved NFL team. So. Well, they're getting their dicks kicked in right now, so you know. Who would have called that? I don't need to hear it from you. It's third and eleven, though, so you know, might get the ball back anyway. Um, I just want to give a warm holiday shout out to everyone. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, ate a lot of food, watched a lot of football, watched a lot of hockey the next day. Didn't get into political discussions with your crazy family members. And uh, everybody, be good. Watch hockey. Enjoy the NHL. Give us a five star review. Everyone, be good. Nate, what do you got? Yeah, um, I'm going to give a shout out to um, the the second coming of the great one, Mr. Alexander Ovechkin, who tied the great Wayne Gretzky for most goal, most away goals with 402. Um, and they have a game tonight at Seattle where he could surpass that record. You know what he did mm. after he tied him, Nate? He scored another goal and passed him. Oh, shit. Well, there you go. Fuck on me. <laughs> Get fucked. No, that's funny. That's very funny. <laughs> hey, before we sign off here, Fish, I want to give you a chance, buddy. Uh, I would like you to plug at least one of your social media platforms. I know you're not the biggest social media buff. But tell the people what you got going on and tell them where you're getting married next September. Kid, I don't know if I could tell you where or what my plugs are, even for that matter. But get married in Breckridge, Colorado, a beautiful state. Uh, but should be a delightful time. The one thing I would say here's an interesting question. Maybe you guys can bring it up later on a different one. Would the conferences be better without a Central and Pacific or Metro and Eastern Division or Atlantic Division? Would it be better just a one solid big block of teams? It wouldn't be better in each in the conference system the way it is right now. I mean, like for playoff seating. Yeah, like now you're just seeing. Now you just now you just want to see the world burn. Now you're yeah, making too much sense there, man. I'm, no. I'm thinking about this. Looking at it, it's like okay, you're not saving any any more fuel in the grand scheme of things. I mean, these teams going up and down the eastern seaboard in both divisions, at least on the east. And then the West do the same fucking thing. It's just across the country. So, yeah, it's an interesting question. I'm looking at it, and it's like, I, I don't know if it makes any sense. But playoff-wise, I think it lines up a lot better. Anyways. I agree. 100% agree. I, I think Bettman instituted this system because he wanted to kind of uh, build on some rivalries. You get a little bit more, like, heated first-round matchups between the two and three in the divisions. But I think that's dog shit. And I don't think we should be seeing – like, a few years ago, the Metro had the top four teams in the East, and, it, like, they were playing each other, you know? It's it's dumb to not seed based on record and seed by division. I totally agree. One through eight in each conference, that's how it should be. Totally fair. Totally fair, boys. Hey, I just want to say for my final thought, Fish, thank you for coming on. He came down to visit me in Charlotte for those that haven't put two and two together this weekend yet. Uh, <laughs> he is literally sitting in my apartment about, you know, 200 feet away from me. Um, so I appreciate you fish for coming on, man. Thanks for sharing your story about high school hockey. Cause everybody loves a little, you know, a little bit of the story about you, th- you know, through the body round back as a kid. Now that we all do boring adult jobs, at least most of us, if you don't having a boring adult job, 
you do something very fun, let us know at Barely Hockey on Twitter. Two plugs in one episode. Blow me at Trev. We're way better than you, Barely Football. But for for Nate McBride, for Aaron Kinney, and for our wonderful guest, Jacob Fisher, it's your boy Phil Razor saying, Barely Hockey. Pairs well with Bruce. Health broadcast, boys.